0: We're in a teaching called More Than Conquerors. And um, bring me down a little bit up here. I'm kind of uh, in, in it in Romans 8:37. 37. And all these things we are, say it, more than conquerors uh, through him who loved us. Uh, we are we have focused on Joshua 1 and 9 this summer. Uh, read it with me. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you. So um, uh, we, have, we, we have embraced two things about the scripture that are with well, three aspects. One is a strong, being strong and courageous. The second one we talked about heavily last week, do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. We did a word study on that, on the understanding of it, because we would say to someone, do not be frightened, and we're speaking to their emotions often. Do not be frightened. And this is not an emotional statement, is not what this is. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. This is what it means. It means do not treat circumstances and situations as if they are your God. That's what it means. It is. It is the words literally are speaking of idolatry. It's where, it's where idolatry begins. When you are afraid of when you have fear of something other than your fear of God. It is, listen, when you have a fear of God, you know that he loves you and cares for you and has your best interest at heart. Anybody know that? That's what your testimonies were saying. But when you fear other things, it's because you believe they have power over you that God does not have. So, so even the word dismay is to fall prostrate before. Okay, to be dismayed, to fall as if you are in worship. So over and over, we hear the same statement to Joshua. Do not do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. And then this statement, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go, validates the strength and the courage. And it validates the absence of fright and the dismay because we know that God is with us. And he is. I'm mean, to know God is greater than anything that we will face. Anybody know that? So uh, being strong and courageous, that is our war cry. We understand what it is. Anybody wearing a strong, and courageous bracelet? I think we've still got a few more out there. You're going to have to grab them fast before they're gone. And then I will buy some more because so many people are wearing them and so many people have given them away. Uh, But uh, uh, that was the shout. It's a Hebrew war cry. Strength and courage. Somebody shout it. Strength and courage. Strength and courage. The sound of the strength of the spiritually zealous heart the unwavering and unyielding confidence before the field is taken. It is worship before you see what has happened. And I I wanted to uh, continue in this discussion, and I wanted to give part of my teaching today to you. So uh, have you enjoyed it so far? So uh, thank you, because that's part of the sermon uh, today. I wanted to talk about the power of miracles, and that's what we're going to talk about in this teaching. We wanted to talk about conquering through miracles, that God actually uses, uh, uh, uses miracles in order to conquer the enemy. Uh, so am I really loud out there? I, I'm just I'm not, I'm not getting my hand signals really good. At so yeah, just turn, turn me down a little bit up here on the platform, because... I, I sound like I'm yelling at myself right now, and, I, and it's, I'm very emotional about that. So thanks. You guys do a great job. Let's hear for the tech team. They're just amazing. We love them. <laughs> tech team is really tough. Did you know why it's so tough being a tech? Because the only time you even notice they're there is if something goes weird, okay? It's like, what did they do wrong now? You know, like most of the time, everything's perfect. Something, So, but yeah, just keep turning me down until I disappear. Um, so... Uh, Today, I want to talk about conquering through miracles. We're going to another aspect of Joshua. We're in Joshua chapter 10, which uh, much of the rest of Joshua's, the, the, the book of Joshua, uh, is, are, are, there, there is a conglomerate of teachings about victories. And the way that uh, the the nation is established, there is the passing out of the promised land, telling different tribes to go here and there. This is an amazing moment of victory. Joshua ten and verse thirteen. You want to read it with me? The sun stood still and the moon did not move until the nation had conquered its enemies. You ought to write that down. Go ahead, tattoo that on your inside of your arm. Okay, the the I'm not telling you to get. Never mind. Okay, just. Okay, back to me. All right, the sun stood still and the moon did not move until the nation had conquered its enemies. Have you known this story? Anybody studied this story before? Pretty powerful little moment uh, in scripture. So I've enjoyed church today. I always enjoy church, being being here in church, and I I like the the atmosphere here. Uh, the Lord's been speaking to me about several things. Some that I'll share with you in a moment. But um, uh, I, I, I know my history and I know my background. So my expectations of impacting the community are large. So I always have this thing in my heart when I drive through the neighborhood. In my, in my early days of pastoring this church, I used to walk my ferocious dog through the neighborhood. I did. I had a bad dog. Uh did not go to heaven. You've heard me tell this. All dogs do not go to heaven. All right, so, uh, sorry, he had an attitude, bit church members and stuff, and uh, my son. Uh, Anyway, uh, so you've been a long time, you know what I'm talking about, but anyway, I used to walk him around the neighborhood, and when I did, uh, the the neighborhood just really caught my heart, and to this day, even though I believe we are impacting, I just really want to impact the neighborhood in a greater way. Anybody with me on this? Your personal neighborhood, but... I, I, you know, every time I just walk through the apartment complexes nearby, and Diane and I were just driving through a bunch of the, uh, several of the apartment complexes around here and thinking, look at the thousands of people that could walk to this building, you know? So I'm not looking for numbers, I'm looking for souls. Does that make sense to anybody? Some people say, ah, look at all the numbers we have. Numbers are good. But it's not that there were 3,000 that came to church in Acts. It was that the Lord added to the church, and there were 3,000. That's the point, all right? So just because you got a crowd, you know, you can get a good crowd with a movie or a rock band, okay? And, I'm, and that, it's fine to go to that stuff, I guess. But what I'm saying is I want people... I don't need to keep going here, right? You understand what I'm saying. I want people to know the Lord Jesus. So uh, we do know that uh, the, the fastest-growing churches in the nation... Uh, have certain characteristics to them. Uh, you know, for lack of a better term, they are neo-Pentecostal churches. They are fresh, uh, new birth churches that believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And here's some, some distinctives. Uh, we believe in a, they believe in a personal relationship with God. Uh, they believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. They believe in freedom in praise and worship, healing and a prosperous destiny. So uh, in those particular statements... Uh, part of that is, how many know that God wants to do good things in your life? Anybody know that? That God would like to do good stuff in your life? And we also believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, that the work of the Lord Jesus is this, that he would save you in order that his spirit could reside inside of you. All right, It's just the word of God. It's what the, the, the word of God says. So it's not like we're sitting around waiting on God to do something. He's doing stuff in our life right now. Uh, And that's one of the reasons that I had you share some miracles because, uh, you know, I preached so large last week. Uh, Was anybody here last Sunday? I mean, it was was a big, thick uh, piece of steak, baby, and uh, you had to cut deep into that. And uh, we told the truth last Sunday, amen? Amen. And one of the things we found out is we love everybody, right? And we believe that God can change people no matter what their brokenness. So if you're here today, no matter what your brokenness, Chris, that testimony you had today, I mean, I, I know of people that are here that could have walked up and told their stories about what, where they were and what God has done in their life, and it is nothing short of a miracle. So, I mean, it, it, was, uh, it was bold, but I, I want to talk a little simply today. It, it is nevertheless bold because when I talk of miracles uh, I can remember some moments in my life that were really weird, uh, being uh, that, you know, I've been to a lot of churches and a lot of s- settings, you know, I, I remember being in a church where there's this lady in a, uh, in a wheelchair, and they rolled her up, and the preacher wanted to, uh, you know, have a miracle, so he said, I want you to get up out of that, that wheelchair and walk right now, get up, get up, and then he looked at two people and said, help her up, you know, and two people grabbed her by each arm, and she... Gets all the way across the stage, and I, come on, praise God right now. This woman's out in a wheelchair, and I'm like, Set her back down, you know? Anybody know what I'm talking about, you know? And, uh, you know, I, I've seen some stuff, but I've seen some real things, and I. That's one of the reasons I wanted this. We were we were uh, talking about fireworks. I mean, I, you know, late last evening, some of my neighbors always do like the most awesome illegal fireworks show, right for me. I mean, they do it, you know, and I'm sitting back there just kind of enjoying, clapping my hands and stuff, and, and, uh, and you know, praying that they don't get arrested and nobody's house burns down. But it's really like a really cool fireworks show. Uh, But I like real fireworks, and miracles are like fireworks. Am I right? I mean, when when God does something in your life, it's like you have that after image. You know, when you close your eyes, no matter what happens, you remember that one time when God showed up and did something? There's no other explanation, but God showed up. So um, I I know this is like that 4th of July season, and, uh, you know, there are a lot of people still in town celebrating the 4th. I uh, I I think sometimes in our celebration of freedom in our nation, sometimes I think we forget the the price and the fireworks really speak of something else, don't they? I mean, when I mean fireworks, I know that they have there's a history of shooting off fireworks and celebration. But if I hear uh, the national anthem and I look at fireworks at the same time. The rockets' red glare, the bombs bursting in air, it reminds me that the reason that we are free is because somebody went to war. Does that make sense? The reason that we have, and it's not like we just called, you know, uh, called over to England one day and said, look, we'd like you guys to stop taxing us and stuff, and we're just going to ta- be our own country right now. And they said, hey, cool. No, it's, that's not the way it worked. I mean, there, there is constant uh, bombardment, all kinds of things that happened. And there were, there were so many casualties. There was like 25,000 casualties in the Revolutionary War. One out of every 16 men in the nation died during the Revolutionary War. Uh, that would equal, relatively speaking, thirty-five or three point five million today is what that would that, that would happen. And it didn't end in seventeen seventy-six. It really started seventeen seventy-five. Seventeen seventy-six is when the national or, or when we had the Declaration of Independence. And then in seventeen eighty-three, the war was finally over. So we got like a six-year war, and and there are all kinds of reasons for the victory. There was one of the big reasons is because. Uh, the, the, the colonialists had an amazing spy network. Did you know that? Just, it was, the spy network was spectacular. And then the French, somebody praise God for French fries. Somebody thank God for French fries. Uh, the French alliance and the training, because we did not have the training to fight in this battle. So we had an alliance, and they came, and they, they helped us learn how to fight Uh, snipers was a big deal that we had amazing sharpshooters, And then something else that they don't talk about too much. And that was smallpox. There was, there were a lot of people that died from smallpox and somehow, uh, they came up with this, uh, this, uh, ancient kind of a smallpox vaccine. It wasn't like the smallpox vaccine, but came up with some ideas on how to actually get some of the... Uh, antibodies out of somebody who had had smallpox into somebody else. So the, the, our, our nation had less death by smallpox among our soldiers than uh, England did. And uh, then another one was a guy named George Washington, who was a spectacular leader. Uh, I don't know if you've read some of the stories of George Washington, but he had several horses shot out from under him, uh, his his clothes were often riddled with bullet holes, but somehow that great leader George Washington and he wasn't like the most amazing military leader. Uh, or, no, he was an amazing military leader, but he wasn't like the most well spoken individual. It seemed he he just somehow something got a hold of George. Somebody praise God for George, and uh, and so this this kind of took place. So the I, I would say there's something else though that historians don't speak too much about, and that is. It was the people of the colonies. And that is this, that the people were, and this is, this, is, this is known, this is historically true, they were praying people and God-fearing people. The people of the United States, the people of those early days, get this, they were evangelical. Did you know that? They were evangelical Christians who had a common sense Moral reasoning about them—they actually believe that you should do what you, you that you would do what you said you were going to do. That you took care of one another, you loved your neighbor. They had that belief system. They didn't do everything right, amen. But there was a there was an evangelical belief in Jesus. Ultimately, the the victory uh, 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 that took place was nothing short of a miracle. We were outmanned. We were outtrained. trained we, we, we did not know how to go to war. But somehow the right people showed up. The right people got well. The right leaders rose to the top. Somebody praise God. And out of all of that, here we are all of these years later. Which brings me to the story of today's lesson from Joshua 10. Joshua and Israel are in battle. They are fighting in this story A five-king alliance of the Amorites. Five kings have come against. Really what they come against is a place called Gibeon. Gibeon was a city that had made a covenant with Israel. Uh, It was in northern Jerusalem. They had heard... uh, The the people of Gibeon had heard enough about the power of Israel. They had heard about the Jordan. Uh, They had heard about Jericho and the walls falling. They had heard about the great victory at Ai. And so... They uh, wanted to make a covenant with Israel, and they didn't know exactly how to do it. But they came the best way they could and placed themselves under the covering of Israel. Now, does anybody know the story of Gibeon's covenant with Israel? Anybody know this? So here's what they do. They, they're not far down the road, okay? Uh, not very far away from where, where Joshua and the armies are, but they... They get their oldest, dirtiest, smelliest clothes, and they put them on. They wear shoes that are worn out. Their sandals actually have holes in them. They carry moldy bread. All right? You know, like some of your hamburger buns that are left over from the 4th of July. They carry moldy bread. Uh, they, They have their hair all grown out. They just look bad. And they come knocking on the door of Joshua. And they say, look, we've come It's taken us a long time to get here. We're tired and we're weary, but we've heard about the great things that you guys have done. We've heard about all of the miracles and the power, and what we like to do is to just kind of enter into a treaty with you. We're going to fight for you, and you guys fight for us, and we just don't want you to kill us. We know that you guys are pretty powerful, and guess what? It worked. Joshua sucked right into it. They didn't pray. Get this, get this. Men of God, can I talk to some of you for a moment? Isn't it amazing how we don't pray about everything? Isn't it amazing how we don't say, God, give me some information. Give me some wisdom. Give me some direction. Does anybody know that the Bible actually suggests that we're supposed to pray all the time? And we're not supposed to do anything without prayer. Does anybody know that? And then if you need a miracle, you should pray. But sometimes, can I get an amen from somebody? As many miracles as you have experienced, you sometimes still skip over that talking to God about things. We're calling somebody. So Joshua, this great man of God who has stood in the presence of God, this anointed man of God, and all the others, they don't talk to God. They just enter into They say, look, these guys look really bad. Their story looks good, so let's go ahead and enter into a covenant with them. So there are five other kingdoms that are there nearby, five other large cities that have kings that are nearby Gibeon. And we can see this in Joshua 10 and 1 and Uh, 5. Adonizedek, the king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had captured and totally destroyed Ai, had killed its king just as he had done to Jericho and its king. He also heard that the people of Gibeon had made peace with the Israelites, and they were living among them. The people of Jerusalem were greatly alarmed at this because Gibeon was as large as any of the cities that had a king. Uh, It was larger than Ai, and its men were good fighters. So Adonizedek sent the following message to King Hoham of Hebron, King Piram of Jarmuth, uh, King uh, uh, Japhiah, it's really Japhiah, I believe, of Lachish, and, and King Deborah of Eglon. Come and help me attack Gibeon because its people have made peace with Joshua and the Israelites. These five Amorite kings, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lachish, and Eglon, joined forces and surrounded Gibeon and attacked it. So what we have are five kingdoms that are now fighting against Gibeon. They outnumbered them, and they outsized them. Now, I like their names because if you look at their names, and I'm working with this a little bit, but their kings have names, and their names, one means Lord of Justice. And, and notice it's Jerusalem. This is before Israel has control of Jerusalem. But you remember who was in Jerusalem before? A guy named Melchizedek. Anybody remember him? Abraham knew Melchizedek, and he was called the king of righteousness. He was a man of righteousness. So now we got justice instead of righteousness. Anybody know that that sounds a little bit awkward, doesn't it? So we got this guy who's just going to come, and he is, he's, gonna, he's coming with power. But the next guy's name is... A uh, Horem, which means forceful, and the next guy's name is Pyram, which means wild, wild donkey, and the next guy's name is Joppa, which means basically means pretty boy. And the last guy's name is Dabir, which basically means better than everyone else. So the smallest one of them is called Gibeon, which means which basically means little hill. So they're they're as large as Ai and Jericho, but basically they're just a little. Hill, little hill, could not trust in itself. It was far away from knowing God. And and they knew Jericho had fallen. They knew Ai had fallen. They knew that they would fall. So they have this big backstory of deception. And Joshua 9.15 describes it. Then Joshua made a treaty of peace with them to let them live. And the leaders of the assembly ratified it by oath. Now you need to circle treaty and you need to circle oath. Three days after they made the treaty with the Gibeonites, the Israelites heard that they were neighbors living near them. Okay, so three days later, now they're in a treaty, they're in an oath. But, but take note that in verse 18, when the, when the Israelites did not attack them, the Israelites of the assembly had sworn an oath to them by the Lord God of Israel. So... A promise to them was a promise that was made before God. And the whole assembly grumbled against the leaders. But all the leaders answered, we have given them our oath by the Lord, the God of Israel, and we cannot touch them now. Does anybody have that kind of honor in this house? I I think God is calling us to a deeper level of covenant. Anybody with me on this? Uh, deeper the, the context here for us when we hear oath is standing before a judge and says, I do swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So help me, God. In other words, I have, as I make this oath with you, I'm making this oath before God. So this is all a strange story today, but it teaches us some miraculous lessons that we need to know. One, God's covenant has miraculous power. So the men of Gibeon send word to Joshua at the camp in Gilgal. Do not abandon us, sir. Come at once and help us, save us. All the Amorite kings in the hill country have joined forces and have attacked us. So now why would they move this way? The reason this is so unfamiliar to you is because we do not believe in vows and covenants like Joshua believed in vows and covenants. How many would say amen to that? We do not believe in it to that level. Gibeon is attacked by their neighbors. They send word to Joshua and the Israelites to fulfill their covenant because when they entered a covenant with Israel, it positioned them as enemies to the Canaanites. How many have ever had bad things happen to you after you were saved? Anybody? Anybody? So I'm in a covenant with God right now. Why is all this happening to me? So what you need to understand is that when the Gibeonites entered into a covenant with Israel, they became enemies of the Canaanites. So so just so you understand, you may not get this, but it is a possibility for you to be attacked. Anybody ever been attacked before? It's a possibility to say, no, God, nothing can come against me because, no, I'm saying the Bible says no weapon that comes against you will prosper. It does not say that no weapon will come against you. It doesn't say, it says all of those words will be silenced and stilled. It doesn't mean that people will, say, will not say bad things about you. In fact, the Bible actually says that all of those who know Christ will suffer persecution. All of us will. Do you know that? Have you ever read the word of God and found out that in the last days there will be a lot of people saying negative things about people who believe in Jesus that it will be as it was in the days of Noah. Remember Noah, they came after Noah. They're always angry at Noah only because Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord because of his righteousness. So, so what I want you to see is that God is a God of covenant. Gibeon came about their covenant in a devious way, but the fact is that they believed in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they had experienced the parting of the Jordan, and the flattening of Jericho, and a massive crushing of Ai. They had seen enough. They were not. Uh, you're not going to like this. I'm going to preach it anyway. They were. They were not necessarily. They were not necessarily what you want them to be yet. They were still struggling with deception. They still didn't really trust God yet. But they had heard enough and seen enough to put their faith in the God of Joshua and Israel. I'm saying God's covenant has miraculous power. Have you ever seen anybody come to Jesus before? Have you ever done that? You know, that person, they're not really coming to Jesus. They're just coming to Jesus because they want his stuff. Okay. I'm good with that. Do you understand what I'm telling you right now? You say, well, that person over there, they're not being serious. Do you know what's really going on in their life? Nope. Nope. I don't necessarily know what's going on in their life, but I know that somewhere there is a seed of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm ready to take that to the bank. Anybody with me on this? I know you want everybody to be perfect and cleaned up and settled, and you want them to wear their nicest clothes when they come to church, and you want them to fall down on their face and fold their hands just perfectly, but that's not what I'm seeing from this illustration. I'm saying that no matter how broken you are, God is still after you. And you might be here and you might say, "Well, Pastor, you don't know my living situation. You don't know how broken I am. I'm saying, come just as you are in your dirty, messed up clothes because God's covenant has miraculous power to overthrow all of the mess that's in your life. Now, God's going to do some some, some stuff and there's going to be some attack of the enemy. But, but here's the good news that all of the attacks of the enemy will shape your life in order that you will realize the incredible, Miraculous power of our living God. He loves you so much that He'll take you in covenant right where you are. I love that story of the woman who was caught in the act of sin. Remember that story with Jesus? I mean, they find this woman, they catch her. They catch her. That's what the Bible says. They catch her doing the deed. Hello. Bring her to Jesus and said, uh, You know, let's throw rocks at her, let's kill her, let's stone her to death. And Jesus eventually says something like this. Okay, whoever's without sin, let him cast the first stone. So let me look around this room. You all got everything perfect right now? Is that what I'm seeing? Is that what I'm seeing, that you've all got it perfect? I'm not say- saying that God doesn't change us. I'm just saying that God's miraculous power is greater than the mess that's in your life. And the grace of God, if it was great in that particular day, how much greater after the blood of Jesus Christ has been shed for all of our sins. So, so you would have thought God would have said, These guys are deceivers. No way can we trust them. But not only do we see that we trust them uh, what we see is that God is going to fight for them. I like Second Peter chapter three and verse eight. "Beloved, do not forget this one thing: that with the, day, with, with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. So I'm calling you. What I'm doing, I'm calling you in this day and age. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that when Peter preached, he said this, with, he said, The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourself from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted the message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They weren't disciples. They didn't have it all together. All they knew is the answers for their life was not in the world that they were living in. Come on, how many know we're in a corrupt generation right now? It is a broken, messed up world. So we're going after corrupt people and saying the grace of God is greater than your brokenness. Which brings me to this other statement. God will show up and fight for you. So Joshua and the whole army the best troops started out for Gilgal. The Lord said to Joshua, here we go. Do not be afraid of them. So do not look at them like they're gods. I have already given you the victory. Not one of them will be able to stand against you. So go to battle because none of them will be able to stand against you. So all night Joshua and his army marched from Gilgal to Gibeon. And they made a surprise attack on the Amorites. The Lord made the Amorites panic at the sight of Israel's army. And the Israelites slaughtered them at Gibeon and pursued them down the mountain path of Beth Horon. Now, if you continue reading this, the Bible says that while the Amorites were running down the pass, from the pass from the Israelite army, the Lord made large hailstones fall down on them all the way to Azekah. More were killed by the hailstones than by the Israelites. So heaven fought for them. Anybody understand what I'm saying? Heaven fought for them. What we see here is an all-night march by the children of Israel. Anybody had to work all night before? Anybody done that? So you were tired, so they marched all night, and they get there. And after they get there, after marching all night to fight, and they're fighting out of the covenant. Why? Listen, I don't always feel like keeping the covenant. Sometimes I'm tired. Come on, anybody with me? Sometimes you get weary So they didn't, you know, could we not go like another day? Couldn't they fight for a day without us? No. God calls them and he says, I want you to come right now on behalf of your covenant brothers. But because I'm tired doesn't mean God will not show up. Anybody know God shows up? How many know God is not a man that he'll lie? Anybody know that? If he tells you something, you can rely upon it. He just constantly shows up. And just, you know, just that that context. God showed up with a hailstorm and did exactly what Joshua needed because Joshua showed up, God fought for him. Come on, I'm glad you're here, but keep showing up. Come on, look at somebody say, keep showing up. I'm not here always because I feel like it. Sometimes I've been here when I didn't feel like standing in the pulpit. There have been times when physically or emotionally I'd been through some mess, but God says if you show up, I'll fight for you and I'll fight through you. Yeah. Keep praying. Come on. Keep preaching. Keep working till he comes. Amen. One more thing. God will miraculously help you finish what he started. So on the day that the Lord gave the men of Israel victory over the Amorites, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the presence of all the Israelites. He said, Sun, stand still over Gibeon. Moon, stop over the Ajalon Valley. And the sun stood still, and the moon did not move until the nation had conquered its enemies. So um, that's weird. Anybody read this story before? Now, Some people scientifically want to understand this. And so there has been some science that they say has validated a lost day. Excuse me, an extra day. It's validated that. I'm not going to go there. I'm not a scientist, but if you want to go there, help yourself. You can study that. But uh, also there's some science against it saying that if the sun stood still, then basically you understand that, that we revolve around... The sun, the earth does, and then the moon revolves around the earth. So if the sun literally stood still, then because the earth is moving at so many thousand miles an hour, that if suddenly the sun stopped, we would stop and all the oceans would be sloshed over into into the dry land and basically people would be flying out into space. So if the sun suddenly stopped, that would not be good, all right? So I thought about them, tried to consider what it is. How many know that God is bigger than all of us? Does anybody know that? So, so whether or not you calculate it scientifically, my my sense is: Did you know that as we already, you know, I've already looked in the Word of God? Did you know? That uh, to to the Lord, uh, a day is like a thousand years. Did you know that? In other words, God is not subject to time. Do you get that? He's not subject. Do you believe that God could stop time? Anybody believe that if he wanted to? God doesn't get up every morning and say, what am I going to do today? No, because there is not a morning for God. Because it's constantly, the sun always shines. He's always in mourning. So here's basically what happens. God stops time in order for them to accomplish what they need to accomplish. Now, I don't know if you've experienced this in your life or not. I I don't know, but here's here's what I do know, is that God is able to do whatever is necessary to, to do in order to accomplish his good purpose. He's able to do that. He's, he's able to... I, have you ever gotten more done in one day than you possibly could have imagined? Anybody ever done that? Like you had a day and I got so much to do. There's no way I can do that. God, you're going to have to help me. And somehow you were able to do more work or accomplish more things in a day. I kind of I see that happening on occasion in my own life. You get up and you're all stressed and all messed up about how you're going to get this done. And you say, son, stand still. In fact, why don't you say it right now? Say it, son, stand still. Say it, son... Stand still. In other words, God, I want to finish the work that you have called me to do. So provide an atmosphere so I can complete this victory. Now, for you, I don't know what it is, but some of us have a tendency to rush God. And we say, God, I need you to do this right now. And God says, let me manage the time and you just keep being obedient in the battle. Anybody with me on this? Just keep trusting me. Just keep fighting and see if I will not complete what I started. Now, I'm just telling you this because I believe that God still does miracles. Anybody believe that besides me? That's why I had all of these testimonies. I am a man of a lot of stories. You know that. I can tell you stories for the rest of the day. And one of my favorite stories is, is my stories of my, my preacher uncle, great uncle Tom Brooks. And Tom was like this traveling preacher and I love telling his stories. And Uh, Because he had all these miracles that took place in his life, you know, like you know logs rolling up hills so he could get them to the sawmill, you know, and you know amazing healing. And but this was an old day, okay? It was years ago where he'd put up a tent and he would preach, and then out of out of his revival he would start a church, and he happened to start a church where my mother and father. Uh, met and were married and Tom's stories were great. And I, I was talking to a guy that I thought would have the same remembrance. And I said, I said to him, I said, hey, by the way, you've you heard of the Reverend Tom Brooks before and uh, all the miracles that performed. And he said, yeah, he said, Tom could tell some stories. And I just looked at him like, okay, I'm done talking to you now. And just anybody ever done that before? Like, I'm done talking here. So go ahead. Because he quickly invalidated the miraculous. Do you know what I'm saying? I, I am a believer. I am healed in so many ways. How many know my healing stories? Anybody know my healing stories? So, uh, you know, I, I have several of them, several times when God rescued me, but... The, the best healing story is the one of my beautiful face when I was burned as a child and had third-degree burns over the right side of my face. And they prayed for me, and the burn fell off of my face. Now, nobody can deny that. I mean, it was, it, it ha- it was the hospital, you know, they, they treated me for burns. Or that was when I was a child. I don't remember that so much because the Lord, I guess, protected me from that. I just don't have a great memory of it. All of my family does, and they rejoiced in it. But, but when I had migraine headaches that one Sunday morning and my daddy was up front preaching... And, and I had migraine headaches regularly. And I knew that it wasn't God's will for me to have this. Mar, I know you love this because, you know, you've been through some pain and stuff. I remember when God spoke to my heart and said, You just need to ask people to pray for you and I'll heal you. And I walked down front as, I, as my hand was all numb and my arm was numb, as I was getting ready to have a headache. And I, and Daddy prayed for me and it was the last headache I've ever had. And that was when I was 16 years old. So I, I'm telling you that I believe in me. Miracles. I also believe in deliverance. Anybody been delivered from some mess? Anybody? I have been set free from so many things. I mean, you guys already shot your fireworks, but I've been set free from emotional abuse. I've been I've been set free from uh, from uh, being abused as a boy, as a child. I've been a, I've been a, I've been set free. I mean, Diane and I sat together and we were talking about it one day, and she said, "You're just amazing." And I love it when she says things like that to me. But but she was saying because where could I be if it had not been for the delivering hand of God? He just keeps chasing me down because God is a miracle working God. Has anybody ever read the word of God and found out that God does miracles like in Mark 9 where he says everything is possible for everyone who believes or Matthew 17 where he says if you have faith as small as a mustard seed you can say to a mountain move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you or in Luke chapter 8 where he meets this woman who has issues of bleeding and she just touched him and suddenly the bleeding stopped and Jesus felt virtue coming out of him. It was because of the way she touched him. Or in Luke 9, where Jesus takes five loaves and two fishes and he feeds 5,000 people. Or in Acts chapter 6, where uh, Stephen, we don't know of all of the miracles. He's just a guy, but he's full of faith and power and he did great wonders and signs. Somebody say wonders and signs. Say it. Wonders and signs. In Acts 19, the Bible says that God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick, and, and their illnesses were cured, and the evil spirits left them. And in Ephesians 3 and 20, The the apostle caps this off, and he says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that works within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. In Hebrews chapter 2, the apostle writes this, and he says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? God also bearing witnesses, witness both with signs and wonders, with miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his will. So here's all I'm telling you. I believe that the church should rise up with fresh signs and wonders. Anybody believe me? I'm not talking about helping people out of wheelchairs. And I'm, t- I'm saying that God is not finished doing miracles in the lives of his people. If God could cause the sun and the moon to stay put in the heavens while Joshua did it. And then as we read in the Bible and we see over and over that Jesus healed and he healed and people were set free. And the apostles and people say, no, it was just the apostles that did that. But I read to you that Stephen also, Stephen was like the church clerk. You know, he was just like one of the guys at church who worked. And, and, and God confirmed, I'm telling you, that he will still do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you ask or think. Amen. And we hear about this. It's this 4th of July weekend. And I like James chapter 5. Stand with me while I finish. In James chapter 5, listen to this. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Now, listen to this last part. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails month. It's, It's this last part. Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Did you hear the word in James? Elijah was a man like what? Like us. Elijah was a man just like... The difference is, is he prayed get that am I trying to raise your expectations yes I am Elijah was a man just like us got any people pinch the person next to you if you would just pinch that person just to make sure they're flesh and blood okay Elijah was a man just like you you got that just like you if you'll pray and call on the Lord he'll do amazing things so one of the things that the Lord spoke to me about is just signs and wonders I'm not afraid to talk about that but listen I'm just going to participate with the Holy Spirit regarding this but I'm expecting because I've seen too many things happen I, mean, so I remember a, a story years ago when I had a guy that was unable to stand unable to walk and I ran over to Emerald Point because the family had called he said he couldn't get up I I didn't know exactly how to pray for him so I prayed that he'd be able to raise his head <laughs> and he started doing this and then I said, let's pray for your arms. He started moving his arms and finally he stood up and he started dancing and rejoicing. I can walk, I can walk. I'm just saying that I've seen God do miracles before. Anybody else? I've seen I am a miracle. So I believe in signs and wonders. Now secondly, because of that, I also, after last Sunday's sermon, I want to tell you this. I believe that our nation needs Jesus so desperately right now. But the enemy has fought against us to cause us to lose faith until we now believe we serve an anemic God who will not do many things. How many believe God could set the broken people free all through our nation? Listen, that means that like Joshua, you're going to have to respond to the covenant promise. We receive communion today. Through his broken body, people are healed. Through his blood, people are set free. Stop picking and choosing who you're going to see miracles happen through. God raised up Gibeon so that we today would look back and say, God would do that for a nation that had deception in their heart? Yes. So when we see all of the broken people, All of the people that have struggles with their identity about who they are. How many know God wants to save every one of those people? How many know he wants to set them free? Your neighbors, the people that you won't talk to, God wants to save them. And I'm going to challenge you in one other area. Here's something that I've never found to happen. I've never walked up to somebody who was struggling, even atheists, and said, could I pray for you? And then look at me and say, man, I don't want you to pray for me. I want you to start praying for people like you've never prayed for them before. Take a shot, and let's see what the Lord will do. Somebody shout amen. Okay, I want my uh, prayer workers to come and stand up front. Let's just worship the Lord. Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your love. Thank you, Father. You are so good to us. Thank you. We've received communion, so we're standing in covenant with the Lord right now. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into our lives. Thank you for your presence. Come now. Come now. Touch these people and this congregation. I pray that the sick would be healed. I pray that those who are struggling with anxiety, with depression, for those who are in, 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 in pain even today, Lord, that they would be set free. I pray, God, you would do whatever is necessary. Let the sun stand still for a few minutes while the enemy is defeated and people are set free. Come, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, just stay prayerful. I want those of you, whatever you need from God, there are those who are in the room today that need miracles in your life these who are standing with me and prepared their hearts to pray. So whatever you need from the Lord, if there's sickness in your body, if you're struggling in your home, your marriage, uh, if you're going through it, I want you to leave right now. I, and I just, just leave your seats now and come swiftly towards the front because we want to anoint you and we want to pray for you. Whatever your need is, I want you to come so that we can pray for you. I'm just going to take a moment, sing a song or something so that we can go ahead and just take this moment. Come, oh, Holy Spirit. If you need Jesus as your Savior, if you're going through any kind of dilemma and you need help, come, we want to pray. We believe in a God who heals and delivers and sets people free. So whatever your need is, oh, Holy Thank you, Father. Now, Father, I pray for everyone in this room. Father, I thank you that you have brought us here together. And I ask, Lord, that you would touch people, that you would heal them, that they would take this message, that believers would leave this place, knowing that it is your desire to do amazing things in their lives. Father, I pray that homes would be healed. I pray that those who are in struggle, Father, that they would find your hand upon their life. Lord, we join with you in covenant and anticipate the miraculous in Jesus' name going to continue to pray. If you want prayer, these people will still be here. God bless you all. If you're new to freedom, please meet me back in the Welcome Center. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. You may be dismissed.